walking through the book of Galatians and to kind of set it up a little bit, I want you to think about this. You ever been in a season where you're just so proud of somebody, like somebody that you love is just walking with God, like making the right decisions or maybe even making hard God-honoring decisions, and you're just full of pride. You ever have that feeling? That's not what's happening here, okay? It's actually the exact opposite of that. I just want to start as a Debbie Downer. So now that we talked about good feelings, let's go back to where Paul is actually at. See, Paul, when looking at the church, is the last line we're going to read of this passage is perplexed. I think all of us can kind of relate to that. You ever have a time in your life when you're watching somebody you love just make bad decisions? You ever in that seat where someone that you love and you care about, you're just watching them walk down a bad road and you just feel helpless, like perplexed. I'm sure most of us can relate to that, and that's exactly where Paul is. He's just like, what are you doing? That, the Hebrew word for perplexed is, you ever have that emotion that he describes, and it's just that feeling, the word is, <laughs> that's not a real Hebrew word, I made that up. But right, like that's the place he's at where he just, you ever be with somebody you love where you're just like, what the, like that's where Paul's at. He's like beyond words. Like, I, yeah, why? That's where he's at. You ever been there with somebody? As a pastor, sometimes we got to do that, walk alongside people making poor decisions. I remember with an elder a couple years ago meeting with somebody down at Starbucks. Matt, you were that elder. I don't know if you remember that. We were at Starbucks, kind of the cool Starbucks, like the old Brady's Cafe one on the corner, not the new one. We were upstairs meeting with somebody from the church, and they're just heading down this bad road. And we're just pleading, like, what are you doing? Like, do you know that this isn't what God wants for you? Yeah. Like, do you understand the damage that this is going to do to you, to your kids? Yeah. Are you still going to do it? Yeah. You ever been in that place? Like, why? Why would you do this? That's where Paul's at. He's perplexed looking at this church. He's trying to compel them to the pure gospel. And then they are walking down this road. You wonder how can somebody get there? Easier than you think. I mean, I think that's easier than all of us realize. Think about your own life. You ever been in that place where you're walking with God and then you go into another season where you don't even know if God's there and he exists. It's easier than you think to head down those bad roads. So I'm going to look at this and kind of, we're going to dive into God's word. How do people get there? But then how do we minister to folks in that place? I think we could learn a lot from Paul's example and diving in this together. So we're going to be in Galatians 4, starting in verse 8. So if you're reading in your own Bibles, or as always, you can follow along the screen. But please follow along as I read. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, 
How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. And I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you. Become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. See, he is just fighting for the hearts and minds of the Galatians, and they are teetering in their faith. See, Paul, if you were here last week, is doing everything he can. And so kind of the passage before this walked through salvation history. Like, hey, understand the covenants. Understand Abraham and that God's plan of salvation has always been by faith through grace. And he walks them through salvation history. But almost every single commentator comments on the fact that now in this passage there's a change of tone. So he's not talking about salvation history anymore and covenants. He's talking about their personal history. It's a switch to a very, it's not a theological debate anymore. It's a very personal kind of points he's making. And he talks a lot about their connection and their relationship. He kind of is getting that point of having a heart to heart. Listen to what Martin Luther, the great reformer, said about this passage. He realizes that he has handled the Galatians too roughly. He is careful to let them see that his criticism proceeds from affection and a true apostolic concern for their welfare. He's eager to mitigate his sharp words with gentle sentiments in order to win them again. So if you have Disney Plus, I think I just saw We Bought a Zoo is on there. They just added it. Spoiler alert, they buy a zoo. It's a super cute movie about this family, and one of the scenes that kind of came to mind, and many of us have lived this scene before, see, the dad is just kind of, you know, there's tension with the son, and he's just railing on him. Like, why won't you help me? Like, go feed the lions. Like, we need your, and they're just like screaming at each other. But then like many of your fights, whether it be with your kid or maybe with your spouse, like after you're done with like all your frustrations and your argument, like then like your heart just begins to spill out. And that scene, it got there, they're screaming. And then finally the dad is just like, you don't understand. I just want what's best for you. That's why I'm so passionate about this. That's where we're at in this letter. Paul's heart is beginning to spill out. He's like, look, you're going down a bad road. Here's why. And look, I want better for you. 
this is kind of Paul now having this heart-to-heart moment. And maybe you've been there before with someone you love. You're like, how did we get here from where you were? So I want to look at how we get there. We're going to walk through kind of a little bit of their history of their relationship, but then look at, man, what do we do when we don't know what to do? So looking at kind of their personal history, which he walks them through, there's interesting information that comes out. Look at this. See the bold there? You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. That's an interesting little tidbit of how Paul ended up preaching to the Galatians. He had some kind of medical illness. He had some sort of sickness. And there's been all kind of guesses of what that is, and we don't know. I'm actually kind of glad as a preacher to be able to connect you to that. Because so much of the New Testament, I'll give you a little kind of insight into pastors. So much of the New Testament is about persecution, right? And they're like being boiled alive and like faces being eaten off by animals and like fed to, and then I got to pretend like we can relate to that. Like, yeah, you have persecution too because like your coworkers aren't as nice to you because you're a Christian and, you know, it's just like that. It's not like that at all. It's not to downplay some of the difficulties of being a Christian, but it's different than that persecution and hard to relate to. Can anybody relate to having a medical issue? We've all had some sort of physical ailment at some point, some sort of trial. And that's how Paul ended up preaching to the Galatians. And we're going to unpack this more, but man, we got to make that point, right? It is because of Paul's trial, ailment, and pain that this is here. Do you think whatever pain and trials you've been through, that God might be able to use those and give purpose to them? Sometimes, church, I'll make you raise your hand. This time I'm going to make you just give a knowing nod, right? Like, church, can God use your pain for purpose? No, do it. Like, give a smug little nod. Yeah. And part of I want to make you do that, because we all forget that in the midst of our pain, But we don't have a Galatian church. We don't have Galatians in the Bible. If God didn't use Paul's pain, maybe he can use yours as well. So he ends there because of a trial. And then they develop this sweet connection and relationship. Kind of see as he talked about the history of their relationship. As you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. It's another theory of maybe Paul's ailment. You know, did he have some sort of eye disease? Because that's mentioned there. But that could also just be, you know, a proverbial saying of like, you'd have given me your right arm. My best guess, I think it was some sort of condition with his eyes that brings him there. But then I want you to look at the blessedness that they experienced. I mean, Paul comes here and God is moving in amazing ways. They have this wonderful, warm fellowship and connection. I mean, people are getting baptized in this church. They're having baptism services. They're all singing to the Waymaker. I mean, people got two hands up. I mean, it is a blessed time. What happened? have this wonderful fellowship. God is moving. Then how do we get to here 
that Paul fears I have labored over you in vain. I don't even know if you're a Christian. You ever been in that place where you're, somebody you love, you're not even sure if they're a Christian anymore. Paul can relate to that. So how did we get here to this place where he doesn't even know if they're believers? Let me say it again. It is way easier than you think. We've all watched people drift away from the Lord, make bad decisions, and we've all been in that place where you've been on the mountaintop. God is your friend, and you're just seeing him everywhere, and all of a sudden you're just not even sure what you believe anymore. How did it happen to the Galatians? Well, it's the same way it happens to most of us. They happened. So they roll in. How do so many people end up straying from their belief? What happens? The Galatians get connected to the wrong crowd. They get involved with the wrong crowd, and it begins to lead them astray. How many times have you experienced that in your own life and seen that? So we're going to kind of spend a lot of our time talking about that, because again, Paul's appeal here is very relational and talking about their friendship, but he also is pointing out the unhealthy relationships that they have with kind of these group, these Judaizers. So that's what I want to look at. How do you know, and he cautions us against unhealthy relationships in our lives. How many people have experienced that, some unhealthy relationships that you should be spared from? Then, I want to look at, okay, how do we minister to people? How do we continue to reach out to people when you just don't know how to share Christ with them? I think we can learn from Paul. But part of here, again, Paul in his heart to heart, he's just spilling it out. You ever, you know, in the middle of your parental speech to your kids, you're not always making sense, right? It's just, you're all over the place. And that's how Paul is. So we're just going to kind of look at it. It's disjointed. We're going to take it different bullets at a time and look at what are some of the unhealthy relationships. So let's start here. He warns them about their unhealthy relationship because at the core, these people have selfish ends for them, that you may make much of them. See, Paul says, I ultimately what's best, I want what's best for you. Be careful of these people. They have personal gain in mind. They're just trying to get more followers to build up their own pride. You ever have a relationship with somebody where they're just more concerned with what you give to them than they are with you and your well-being? Be careful, you might have an unhealthy relationship if somebody is only concerned what they can get out of you as opposed to what they can give to you. This was huge in my walk with God to understand the difference between these kind of relationships. When I got to college, you know, I had my relationship and friendships in the dorms, but then I also was involved in a campus ministry and I had Christian friends. I think the Holy Spirit helped me see the massive difference between my Christian friends that just cared about me and wanted what's best for me and my non-Christian friends that were only friends with me because of what I can give to them. They need, they, and whether I can make them laugh or they need somebody else to play Goldeneye. That was big when I was in college. It was a lot of Goldeneye. Right? Like, they only cared about me because of what I gave to them. Be careful of that. I think of when I was a horrible friend to Neil Rossetti growing up. 
And I don't know why you always use the last name. We talk about people from the past, but you do, right? Neil Rossetti, we were friends, but I didn't really care about him. Me and Neil were friends because he had every Ninja Turtle toy known to man. I mean, like the cool fan and the pizza shooter, every character. I would call him just because I wanted to play with all the Ninja Turtle stuff. I mean, and his parents would, like, take me somewhere. My first ever concert, he took me to a Michael Jackson concert when I was, like, 12. And don't judge me. That was before we knew all the crazy stuff about MJ, you know. But I remember going, I just liked hanging out with him because of what he gave to me. That's not a healthy relationship. Be careful of people in your life that only value you for what you give them, not them caring about you. So that was these folks. And another point that he points out of unhealthy relationships and connections is they only tell you what you want to hear. It says, like, they make much of you, but for no good reason. Right, so these people, you know, they pretended to be their friend. They buttered them up, but it was manipulative, not for good reason. I want you to look at this comparison. Unhealthy relationships, right? They'll tell you whatever you want to hear, to use you, to manipulate you. Healthy relationships, they tell you what you need to hear to love you. That's Paul is contrasting his relationship to theirs. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? If you want to have healthy relationships, find people in your life that are willing to tell you the truth even when it's hard. I mean, you want to have unhealthy connections, somebody just has selfish motives, and they'll tell you whatever just to get something out of you. I, I don't know why I just think of the illustration of like a salesman, right? Anytime you walk into a store, I don't know if people still go to stores now that Amazon exists, but remember when you used to walk into stores? Like you walk in and the salesman, she's walking in and is like, hey, nice sweater, I like that sweater. And I'm like, do you really? Or are you just trying to get commission, right? Like how many times you go somewhere and they butter you up, why? They're just building you up so they can get something out of you. You want to have healthy relationships, find people in your life that are willing to tell you the hard things, not because they're their enemy, but because they love you. Third point, when he talks about, again, we're just going to go through these bullets. Be careful of possessive relationships in your life. I know so many people that could have been spared so much pain if they understood this and were careful of this. What did he say about these Judaizers? They want to shut you out. So part of what happened is, when they came in, they tried to cut the Galatians off from Paul. I have a secret hope coming out of this sermon that I can get somebody to break up with their loser boyfriend or like a toxic girlfriend, right? How many times have you seen or been in that kind of relationship where they are cutting you off from the people that you love. Be careful of that. If you're ever in that situation where somebody comes and they're trying to shut you out from your family, from your church, trying to shut you out from people that you love. And he's warning them of this unhealthy relationship in that. And maybe you felt that. You may need to revisit some of your relationships because they got possessive. And a final point that he warns them in unhealthy relationships, and this here's the filter. Do you want to know if the relationship you have is healthy or unhealthy? 
This is a good definition. Does it pull you away from Christ? Again, I want you to look at the comparison. Unhealthy relationships pull you away from Christ. Healthy relationships push you toward Christ. What was Paul's aim? What was Paul's relationship with them? He's doing everything they can so that he he says, I'm again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You want to know, should you marry that girl? Should you marry that person? Should this be all your friends? Let me ask you something. Your primary close friends, let me ask you. Do they help your relationship with Christ? Or do they hinder it? A healthy relationship, the definition of that, is someone that helps you get closer to Christ. Is that true of your relationships? If not, you might want to change them. Is that true of whether it be your romantic, your coworkers, your friends, whatever? Because that is what a healthy relationship should be. Now, i got to stop and have an aside here because Paul must be preaching from a different context. He compares himself to having a child. Like, this must have been before mansplaining was a thing. How does he get away with that? Can you imagine if I came up here and was like, man, my life is hard. It's hard like giving birth, right, ladies? What? How in the world does he get away with that? I could never come up here and say that. I made the mistake one time. I had kidney stones of comparing kidney stones to like, I saw it on a list that it's like the same pain. And so I made that point once. That was a mistake. Like, I heard kidney stones. It's about the same pain as childbirth. And they're all they're like, oh, no, he didn't. Okay. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, you took a microscopic stone pass through you. I passed a human through my human. It's not the same. How in the world does he say, man, it's kind of like giving childbirth, right, ladies? Gosh, I'm so far off the point right now. Bring it back. Bring it back. So some of you whether getting in those relationships or someone you love is heading in those wrong relationships, whether it be possessive, selfish, but ultimately, are you in an unhealthy relationship? The question you need to ask is, does this person push me to Christ or pull me away? If you are in an unhealthy relationship, you might want to revisit that. So he warns a huge part of how we get down those roads, whether it be personally or someone you love, But then he kind of shifts, and we're going to spend the rest of the time. Okay, again, we talked about that. You're watching someone you love, particularly maybe had a great relationship with the Lord at one point, walking away, and you are just perplexed. You don't know how to minister to them. What are some lessons? And again, it's just bullet points fire away. How do you minister to folks like that? What can we learn from Paul? There's a couple. I want you to have healthy relationships and a healthy approach to ministry. So healthy ministry, I think this point is helpful. Healthy ministry is still difficult. It's still hard. Paul, this is a church the Apostle Paul planted, and he doesn't even know if they're Christians anymore. See, ministry, it's confusing, it's discouraging. You want someone to walk with Christ, and I've never, like, seen somebody walk with Christ, and it's just like a perfect, you know, uphill climb to glory and sanctification. That is not how life is. And it is frustrating, and it's confusing. If you've ever been in that place where you don't know what's going on, I want you to be able to relate to Paul. He was confused. He was perplexed. And I remember this pointed out to me. It helped me. 
Gary, our worship director, said this. Look, even Jesus didn't bat a 1,000. He was 11 for 12, which is still a Hall of Fame career, right? That's batting 913, you know? I mean, it's legend, wait for it, dairy. Like, that is a great average. But even Jesus wasn't perfect. Had disciples fall away. I remember starting off in ministry with middle school ministry, I will never forget the look on my volunteers' faces after they would, like, lead their sixth-grade boys' small group. I'd see them after. They're just like, I think I'm making it worse. I don't think I'm helping. And I'm like, it's sixth grade. Like, welcome to the jungle, baby. Like, here we go. Look, it's difficult. Nobody has this perfect progression. If people that you've built into... How much of our discipleship is two steps forward, one step back? I just want to empathize with, and if as you're trying to share Christ with people, it's messy, you might not be doing anything wrong. It might just be ministry. Ministry's hard and confusing. So I think we learned that from Paul's ministry. What else do we learn? I want to encourage you to care for people, not just convince them. Paul was in anguish so that they would come to know Christ. Do you want to share Christ, whether maybe it's your siblings, maybe it's your coworkers, maybe your neighbors? I want to encourage you to care for them. Like, ministry is relational. Did you hear the personal connection that he had with this church? So much of our ministry is we just want to argue with people, and we want to try to convince them in their head as opposed to trying to win somebody's heart. When I first got into ministry, one of the greatest lessons I learned, that I want this to stick with you, listen, if you want to share Christ with somebody and minister to somebody, they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. That was beat into my head. Look, whoever you want to share Christ with, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Are you building relationships with them? Instead of arguing with them, what if you just like cut their lawn for them or brought groceries to them? Invest in relationship. That's what Paul did. I mean, some of us are like that kind of deadbeat spouse. Like, if if you say you care for somebody, you should be able to tell me how you're doing that. You know, and it's like, you know, how does your spouse know, you know, that you love them? Like, well, I married her, didn't I? Like, that's, that's a lot of our advantages. Well, I shared the gospel with them, didn't I? Okay, but how have you cared for them? That person you want to see come to Christ, can you give me an answer? Man, I went to the hospital with them. I prayed for them. Are you caring about them, or are you just trying to convince them so you can put another convert on your belt? Paul desperately cared for, prayed for, and invested in relationship. So I want to call you into that as well. Another point that I think is huge, healthy ministry pours out of our pain. We talked about this already, but I want to encourage you with this, right? This church exists because of a bodily ailment. I remember when I first started ministry, one of the darkest seasons of my life, one of the worst seasons of my life is July of 2006, August 2006 is when I start working at a church. 
I was like an empty shell of a person with nothing to give, and now I'm supposed to tell people about this wonderful God that I have never had more trouble with in my life. What I wish I could have done is talk to 2006 me and said, look, you don't have to have it all together. See, God's power is perfected through your weakness. And if in your lowest, in your pain, if you allow God to move through you, that's some of the purest ministry you can experience. Look, if I'm empty and I have nothing left and I still pour myself out, the only option is the spirit to flow out of you. And so I don't know what you're struggling with, what your trial and your ailment is. I believe the lie. I can't help anybody because I don't have any answers myself. How am I going to tell you what they are? I thought I had to get my stuff together. I wish I'd have known that like when I didn't have it all together, if I just offered that to the Lord, he would have redeemed and healed my pain. Whatever your trial is right now, God is your father. He's your friend. He didn't make you go through that pain to stick it to you. You say, why, God? Maybe there's a purpose. Like Hospital beds make powerful pulpits. I mean, pain is a wonderful pulpit and powerful pulpit for God to move. Are you letting him, or do you feel like you've got to get your stuff together? If you're in the midst of a trial, would you say, God, I don't want to be here. But I think you can use this. God, would you use my pain? You want to heal so deeply from that pain. I promise you there's no greater healing than God redeeming something and giving purpose to that thing. Will you let him use it? So I would encourage you to that. Learn from Paul in the midst of his weakness and humility Say, okay, God, I didn't want to be here, but you brought me here for a purpose. Use me. The only reason that church exists is because of Paul's pain. The only reason God is speaking right now is because God moved through Paul in his pain. And we have the book of Galatians. Would you minister out of that? The last point I want to make and encourage you to is give courage, not just criticism. Paul says, I wish I could be there to change my tone with you. Look, yeah, sometimes you want to find somebody that gives you hard truth, right? But Paul takes no pleasure in that. In this section, you hear Paul calling out their true identity. Now think about that with your kids, how easy it is to just criticize them as disciples. What if we called out their true identity like Paul did? Remember, he told them not just where they were wrong, but where they were right. He says, look, you know God now. Better yet, you're known by God. We share our faith. Don't just condemn. Yeah, if you have to share a hard truth, share it. But I want you to give people courage. I want you to call out people's true identity. How much of our witnessing, how much of our ministry is just condemning? That's easy. Call out in somebody what God had in mind when he created them. I kind of want to finish speaking to both camps a little bit. You have the Galatians and Paul ministering to the Galatians. 
But maybe you're in that Galatian camp where your faith is teetering. Like people look at you, say, I don't even know if you're a Christian, and you look at you and say, look, I don't know if I'm a Christian. And I had, I know I've tasted it, but I've gone so far. Juan, I want you to look at, do you have some unhealthy relationships that you might need to change? But I want to encourage you, as you're tempted to walk away from Christ, what did he compare that to? To going back to slavery. This was huge for me. I thought becoming a Christian was like bondage. All these rules that were like slavery, I promise you, it's the different. To walk away, it's the exact opposite. To walk away from Christ is to walk into slavery. You can choose to serve Jesus or be a slave to something else. It is picking your master, I promise you. If you're not serving Christ, you're serving something. And it is a far worse master in its bondage. Maybe it's success. Maybe it's relationships. I don't know what it is for you, but you will be a slave to something. You could either serve Christ and experience true freedom, or you will be a slave to something. And he says, remember what you were like before Christ found you. There's no true freedom apart from Christ. I want you to return to that blessedness. But I also want to speak, again, maybe you're like Paul and you're watching a loved one, maybe a sibling, family member, coworker. I don't know what it is. And you're just perplexed watching them walk down a bad road. Paul uses that word again in Corinthians. He says, look, I'm perplexed but not driven to despair. So I want to encourage you and leave you with this thought. If somebody came to mind when you thought of somebody walking away and going down a bad road. I want you, here's what happens, right? I don't know what to do, so I don't do anything. And I just walk, watch someone I love walk into a prison. Don't be driven to despair. Paul is confused and he's perplexed, but he doesn't give up. He continues to pursue them. He continues to call them to the freedom of Christ. My hope coming out of this time is that you know the person I'm talking about that is straying from God. Even if you're confused, you're not driven to despair. I want you to reach out to them. Like, I want you to connect. Maybe it's your kid that's walking away and you don't know what to do. Don't do nothing! Like, reach out. They're going, I promise you, into a prison and you're going to watch. Reach out. Say, what happened? I know you had a faith. I know God knows you. I love you, and I'm going to keep pushing you to what's best for you. I want you to reach out to that person, and don't be driven to despair. And compel them to Christ. Remind them of the goodness and freedom of the gospel. You bow your heads and pray with me. Father, it is true, we're all tempted to fall back into slavery. God, I pray that your spirit would convict us to see so clearly that there is no freedom apart from the gospel. There's no true freedom apart from Christ. All else is slavery, but you have set us free. 
God, we're no longer slaves. And if someone we love is walking into a prison and walking back into slavery, God, would we reach out to them like you reach out to us and proclaim the gospel and freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.